Welcome to Thrive Church Online. My name is Kathy. I'm going to be your online host for today. If it's your first time here, you're a VIP and we would love to get to know you better. So please text new at 604-285-5770 and we'll mail you your very own Thrive Stand Steel water bottle. Parents, don't forget about my five rules that Thrive Kids access a Thrive Kids curriculum. There you can find the worship video, the lesson video, a resource sheet that you can download, create, and do with your kids. And there's going to be Zoom classes every Sunday from 1045 to 1115 a.m. This past week here in Vancouver has been so, so hot and I'm just dreading surviving the rest of the summer. I just look forward to driving somewhere so I can sit in my car and enjoy the cool AC. So how about you guys? How do you guys plan on staying cool this hot summer? Tell the person watching beside you or online in the chat room. We'd love to see all your beautiful faces and take a selfie of yourself tuning in today and post it on your social media using hashtag ThriveChurchOnline. I'm now going to pass the time over to Pastor JB and I'll see you all later. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Thrive Church Online. My name is JB. I'm one of the pastors here at Thrive, and I'm so excited to welcome you to an amazing Sunday here at Thrive Church Online. If this is your first time here, maybe a friend invited you, maybe you stumbled upon us online, we are so thrilled that you are here. You are what we call our VIP, and we especially want to welcome you. In fact, if you want to go to mythrive.info and touch the button that says new to Thrive, we would love to send straight to your door your very own stainless steel Thrive Church water bottle as just a fun, simple way to say thanks so much for joining us today. Can we give all of our VIPs a big hand and a big shout in this place together right now? In fact, we've got a saying here at Thrive, which is that welcoming is not just what we do, it's who we are. And so with that in mind, would you welcome one another to the church today? In your chat rooms, would you welcome one another? Maybe you're sitting beside someone, would you give them a high five, a handshake, a warm hug, whatever's appropriate, and just say, it's so good to be here with you. So good to be with all of you. You guys are amazing church, and we are so glad to be here with all of you today. Well, if you are here and you've been here before, you'll notice that we're in a new setting today. We're back in the Thrive Center sanctuary as we get closer and closer to the day when we move into on-site services together. On that note, I want to thank Vivian, Emily, their team for creating the soundstage, which is right over here. You can't see it, but it's right over here. For the past 14 months, we've been using the soundstage that they did an amazing job of decorating and putting together along with Ryan, our multimedia team. Can we give all of them a big hand, a big shout this place together right now. Thank them for all their hard work. And now we're here. And in just a minute or two, I'm going to let you guys know some of our plans as we get ready to reopen the Thrive Center once again. But before we get into that, something very important we're going to be doing at the end of our service, it's called communion. And what is communion? Communion is an opportunity for us to remember what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us and how he died on the cross for our sins. And so if you want to take communion with us, we're going to be having at the end of our service. And so you might want to go to your kitchen even right now, go grab a piece of bread 
bread. We use, uh, you know, uh, unleavened bread here throughout, but maybe you don't have unleavened bread. Maybe it's just normal bread or it's maybe a cracker. That's all good. Uh, if you want to grab a cup, we use grape juice here to represent the blood of Jesus. If you don't have grape juice, that's okay. Something to represent the blood of Jesus. And this is just a simple way for us to remember what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. Get ready for communion later on today. Well, this past week was a significant week here in the province of BC, is that the BC government announced that we are now into step three of their restart plan. And as part of this step three, they have decided to lift all restrictions on worship services and religious gatherings. Praise God that after 16 months, we are finally legally able to meet together on site again. And see, now, as thankful and as excited as we are for this opportunity, we also want to be as wise as we possibly can in stewarding this transition to on-site services again. Just like when you're fasting, if you've ever fasted before, and you end your fast, you're hungry, one of the things you don't want to do is after a fast, you don't want to go to a buffet and just go crazy on the deep fried stuff. You don't want to do that. You want to be wise. You may want to do that, but you want to be wise uh, you know, in, in how you go into that new season. And similarly, now that the government has suddenly lifted all restrictions, that doesn't mean that we're going to throw caution to the wind. We want to be courageous. We also want to be careful. We want to be wise and faithful at the same time. If we say amen. And see, as of right now, keep in mind that 30% of the BC population has been fully vaccinated. 30%, only 30%. And so that means that we still want to be taking precautions. We still want to be careful about how we do it. As excited as we are, as thankful as we are that we can meet on site together again, we want to do so in a safe and measured way. And so with all of that in mind, it gives me great pleasure to announce to all of you that on Sunday, July 18, the Thrive Center will once again be open for on-site services. Can we give God a big hand for that right now? I said on Sunday, July 18, the Thrive Center will finally be open once again for on-site services. Wow. And to prepare us all for what that's going to look like, because we want to do so in a safe and wise way, check out this video with me right now. Thrive Church Center is ready to reopen and we can't wait to see you. For those of you who are ready to attend on-site services at Thrive Church Center, we have made many adjustments to ensure the facility is sanitized and safe for you and your family. A COVID safety plan is now in place to meet the latest requirements from the BC Chief Health Officer. We have improved the ventilation in our building with additional fans and air purifiers. Hand sanitizers will be placed throughout the building. All high-touch objects in our church will be disinfected before and after each service. To attend an on-site service, you will need to register online using the Thrive Church registration app for either the 9.30 service or the 11.30 service on Sunday. As there may be a maximum number of people allowed to gather, once a service is full, you will be advised as such. If both services are full, you may still attend from the online service at home.
Our church entrance will be open 15 minutes before service begins. If anyone is sick, please stay home. Otherwise, arrive on time with your mask. Please enter the church only through the designated entrance. Our greeters will offer you hand sanitizer, take your temperature, verify your registration, and give you a name tag before leading you into the sanctuary. Parents can drop off your children by the Kids Center door. Please follow the directional signage and the instructions from the greeters when moving within the church. You can sit with your family and keep a distance from other people. When the service is finished, we kindly ask you to exit the sanctuary through the back. If you need to pick up your child, you may go to the Kids Center and exit at the front. For the time being, we would not be providing snacks after service. You may greet one another outside the church building. Stay safe and observe the BC Restart Guideline on social gathering. For those who prefer to attend the online service from home, you may do so as you have been doing in the past year. We hope that as the pandemic comes under control and our government further loosens restrictions, we would see you at the Thrive Church Center in the not-too-distant future. We can't wait for you to join us at our next Thrive Church service. Praise God. Can we give God a big hand and a big shout for that? Praise God. July 18 is going to be a significant day in the history of Thrive Church. It's the day when after 16 months of being away, we are finally coming back together on site. We can't wait. We look forward to seeing you here. Turn to your and say, I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to see you. But for those of you who for some reason can't be with us on site in person that day, guess what? We're still going to be providing online services. And so what's going to happen is we're going to be having Thrive Church on site. And at the same time, we're going to be having Thrive Church online. It's a new season for us here at Thrive Church. Praise God. The best is yet to come. Can we give God another big hand, a big shout in this place together right now? Praise God. Turn to your and say the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. We can't wait to see you here, and we really believe the best is yet to come. Do you guys bring your Bibles here today? If you could grab your Bibles right now. If you didn't bring one, that's okay. But if you brought one, encourage you to grab it right now. This is just a fun way for us to get our hearts ready for the message today. And so why don't you hold up your Bible like so, and why don't you read this with me together in a big, loud voice. We're going to say, this is my Bible. It is God's Word. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I open up my heart so that God's Word can come in and change my life, and I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Hey, by the way, if you're new, not just to Thrive, but you're new to church generally, you're new to Jesus, new to the Bible, just exploring Christianity, if you're coming in from another faith background or no background at all, we are so thrilled that you're here. And we hope that you find that Thrive Church is a safe place for you, a place where you can be yourself, a place where you can find some encouragement, some community as we go into a brand new week. We hope that it's a place where you find that you can safely ask the questions that are on your mind. If there's anything we can do to serve you at all, if you could let us know, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at thrivechurch.ca. It's so good to have you here. Now, last week, we uh, did something to recognize the graduates, the graduating students in our midst here at Thrive Church, you know, graduating from high school, graduating from college, university, maybe kindergarten. One group that we didn't, and I forgot, this is my bad, that we didn't recognize on that day is our Thrive Discipleship School graduates. Can we give them a big hand today? Last week, last week was graduation day 
for our students at Thrive Disciple School levels one and two. And if you're in case you're wondering, Thrive Disciple School is something that we created here at Thrive Church to help people grow in their relationship with God. And many people have gone through Thrive Disciple School, found it to be a, a benefit to their lives. And we encourage you, if you've never taken it before, to sign up for the next term of it. And in fact, we are launching a brand new level of Thrive Disciple School. It's happening July the 14th. We call it Thrive Disciple School Level 3. And in this Thrive Disciple School Level 3, TDS Level 3, it's called Embracing Your God-Given Shape. Turn your neighbor and say, you have a beautiful shape. You have a beautiful shape. That sounds like a pickup line, but it's also true because God gave you a shape by which to serve him. And in this course called, you know, Embrace Your God-Given Shape, we're looking at what it means to discover and embrace the way that God made you. And in case you're wondering what that experience is like, we had people go through kind of like a the, the, the test, the pilot test version of TDS3. And this is what they said. Uh, a few people gave their feedback. They said, no questions asked. Please just take TDS3. <laughs> Highly recommend joining TDS3 because there are so many incredible activities and lessons that help me gain an understanding of not only myself, but also about God. You will have the resource to understand who God has made you to be. You will also be empowered to live out God's shape for you and understand how the picture is slowly coming together. Someone else, they wrote about TDS3. They said, you should definitely consider taking TDS3. There are a lot of fun and reflective exercises to help take a closer, uh, to, to take a, a step closer to understanding how God has created each of us uniquely for a unique path laid out for each of us. And then finally, someone else wrote, if you want to learn more about yourself and how God has created you and how you can become an even greater leader, you should take TDS3. Can we give God a big hand for all of that? Praise God. And so we highly encourage you to sign up for TDS Level 3. That's if you've already taken TDS Levels 1 and 2. If you haven't yet and you're wondering, oh, when can I get in on TDS Levels 1 and 2? We're going to be doing our next term of TDS Levels 1 and 2 in October of this year. That's you know, We actually plan our year here at Thrive Church based on the school calendar. So we go September through August. And so near the very beginning of this new year that's starting in September, we're going to be doing TDS Levels 1 and 2. We can, it's not too early early to sign up for that, you can also go to mythrive.info and sign up for TDS levels one and two and get plugged into the next round of it. Would you turn to neighbors and say, I can't wait for TDS. I can't wait for TDS. Well, not only is something really exciting starting up when it comes to Thrive Disciple School, today we're starting something super exciting. We are starting a series here at Thrive. It is called Rise Up and Wise Up. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, Rise Up and Wise Up. Rise up and wise up. See, in this series, we're talking about finding hope and wisdom through the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. Now, can we, let me just begin today by asking you a question. Can you think of a time in your life when you could have used a lot more wisdom in how you handled a particular situation? Can you think of one? I, I can think of so many. Let me just name a couple for you today. You know, many, many years ago, I was talking to someone on the phone while I'm inside my house and I need to get out. I need to go into my car, which is in the garage. And so I'm talking on the phone. I get into my car, which is in the garage. I open the garage door. I start to back up. And because I'm so focused on talking on the phone while driving at the same time, I'm kind of distracted. I'm not really looking. And all of a sudden, just a few seconds into dragging up, I end up banging into the car behind me, which was parked in my own driveway. 
And so I get out of the car. I'm like, oh my goodness. And I knock on the door and I say, sorry. I, I said, Charlene, my wife, Char, I'm sorry. I just bumped into your car. And, you know, it was one of the things where she saw it and was like, okay, so we exchanged driver's licenses, you know, we exchanged, we exchanged insurance. We went, uh, I can't, I'm kidding, we didn't have to do that. But we went to get the car fixed and then we went back to bed. That's, that's basically what happened. I could have used a lot more wisdom on that particular day. There's another one where this happened a lot more recently. You know, nowadays, you know, that at Thrive Church, we have prayer meetings and we have them online via Zoom. And once I was, you know, getting ready to lead a, an online Zoom prayer meeting and I was kind of hungry, so I ate a chocolate chip muffin. And right before uh, I was about to lead, I ate this chocolate chip muffin. It was delicious. It was great. And then I went into the prayer meeting and toward the end of the prayer meeting, I'm starting to look at myself on the screen and I realized that I've got this huge, massive chocolate chip stain right between my nose and my upper lip. And it, it, it almost looks like I've got like a Hitler mustache, you know? And it's like, so I'm leading people in prayer and I'm looking like Hitler. I'm like, raise your hands to worship. And it's like, oh, what am I doing? What am I doing? Oh my goodness. And it's like, oh my goodness. And, and, and that day, no one for some reason decided to tell me that I was looking like Hitler while I was leading people in worship. How crazy is that? But that was a situation where I could really definitely have used a lot more wisdom. I should have looked at myself in the mirror before I went online. Why do I mention all of this? It's because all of us can point to times in our lives when we could have exercised a lot more wisdom in how we handle the situation. Whether it's how we handle ourselves in our choice of words, or how we handle ourselves in terms of maybe how we responded to someone or how we handle ourselves in terms of how we use our time or you know, the relationships that we chose to get into, we can all point to times when we could have been a lot wiser in how we handle the situation. And that is why over the next several weeks, I'm so excited to introduce to you a series we're doing here at Thrive. It's called Rise Up and Wise Up. We're looking at the book of Proverbs. Now, why the book of Proverbs? See, because Proverbs is all about how to live wisely. It's about wisdom. And see, I'll tell you this, for me personally, there is no book that has helped me and impacted me more on a practical day-to-day level than the book of Proverbs. I'm talking about, you know, like just things like, you know, every day, how I think, how I operate, how I make decisions, how I deal with people, how I use my words, how I use my time, what I look for in, 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 you know, in a life partner even. You know, those are all things that have been so influenced in my life by the book of Proverbs. And I've still got so much to learn, but I can say that the book of Proverbs has helped me probably more than any other book in the Bible when it comes to practically living life. And see, it's because it's a, it's, a, it's a book about wisdom. And I can say, even though I've got a lot to learn, is that over the past 25 years, if I've ever made any good decision at all, if I've ever performed well in a situation, you can probably trace it back to something in the book of Proverbs. At the same time, if I've ever made a bad decision, and I have many, or if I've ever behaved badly, and I have many times, it's because I didn't heed the instructions contained in this book we're looking at in this series called the book of Proverbs. See, Proverbs is a book about wisdom, how to live 
wisely, how to be a wiser person. And so if you could use some more wisdom for your life, if you could use some help making good decisions, if you wanna be smarter when it comes to dealing with people, if you wanna be wiser in how you use your words, how you respond to certain situations, how you use your time, your resources, if you wanna be better at dealing with stress, then this series is for you. The book of Proverbs is for you. See, Proverbs has 31 chapters in it, which means that you can finish the book of Proverbs in a month if you just read a chapter a day. It's not hard at all. And see, for those of you who have never done that before or haven't done that in a long time, I wanna encourage you to do that as we're going through the book of Proverbs over the next several weeks. I encourage you to read a chapter a day and see what you glean from the book of Proverbs. And now for those of you who are, who are new to you know, faith, you're new to church, you're, you're kind of just exploring Christianity, there's also an added benefit to you studying Proverbs. Do you know what it is? is that when you study the book of Proverbs, you're gonna know why some Christians reflect God's love and God's light to others and why other Christians don't. (laughs) You're gonna know why some Christians have this tendency to make good decisions and have healthy relationships, where others tend to have this tendency to have habitually bad decisions that they make or have unhealthy relationships. And, And the difference is not a difference of faith, The difference is not even a difference in love necessarily, but the difference isn't a difference in wisdom. It's the difference between those who are truly wise and those who just think they are. And see, in my estimation, I would say this, after studying the book of Proverbs and and just kind of shepherding people, watching people is this, is that there is probably no attribute that is espoused more by the Bible, that's encouraged more by the Bible and yet ignored by Christians in daily life than wisdom. And, and it's, it's not just Christians who need wisdom. We all need wisdom. Amen. And see, if you could use more wisdom for living and you want to understand the book of Proverbs, then we hope you're going to join us week after week here at Throughout Church Online as we do this series together called Rise Up and Wise Up. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, get ready to rise up and wise up. Get ready to rise up and wise up. Now, the book of Proverbs we're going to get into today begins in a very similar fashion to other ancient wisdom literature that you will find around the time that Proverbs was written. See, about about 1000 BC or so. See, is that you've got places like Egypt, Mesopotamia, where they have their own wisdom literature. And, And the book of Proverbs begins in a similar way. It begins with a statement about what this book is all about, what its purpose is, and who it is for. And so let's start by looking at Proverbs chapter one, verse one together today. What does it say? It says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. If you have your Bibles open and I encourage you to have your Bibles open with something to write on or something to highlight, I encourage you to to underline the word Solomon. See, who is Solomon? See, Solomon is the man responsible for the book of Proverbs more than anybody else. Solomon was the third king of Israel. He lived in approximately 1000 BC, which is you know, roughly about a thousand years before Jesus lived. And very interestingly, Solomon, at the beginning of his reign as the king of Israel, he didn't see himself as a very wise man at all. In fact, when he took the throne from his father, David, and he became king of Israel, Solomon was scared for his life. Hey, have you ever been scared for your life because you've taken on a new role and maybe you, you discover you're a parent? Oh man, I'm a mom and I have no idea what I'm doing. Or you have a promotion, you're in a new season, you're in a new place and you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. You're kind of scared to death. That was Solomon. He's the king of Israel, but he has no idea how to be the king. And so he prays to God. 
And he says in verse, uh, in verse seven of First Kings chapter three, he says, now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David, but I'm only a little child and I do not know how to carry out my duties. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong for who is able to govern this great people of yours. And so Solomon, he's like, you know, I have no idea what to do. I, I, I'm so lost. I'm just a little child when it comes to this role as king. God, would you please give me a wise and discerning heart so I can know how to lead these great people of yours, says Solomon. And what does God do? Verse 10 says, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. And see, what's the lesson there? Is that there are certain things that you can ask for from God where it actually pleases God when you ask for it. And you know what one of those things is? It's wisdom. See, when you don't have a clue, the best thing you can do is ask the Lord for wisdom. First Kings 4, 29, 34 says this. This is God's response to Solomon's prayer. God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the men of the East, greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than any other man, including Ethan the Ezraite, wiser than He-Man, master of the universe. I'm kidding. If you know who He-Man is, there's an inside joke between me and other kids who grew up in North America watching American cartoons. He-Man, right? Master of the universe. And it was He-Man. There's Calcol that sounds like a that sounds like a toothpaste. There's Darda, the sons of Mahal, and his fame spread to all the surrounding nations. He spoke three thousand proverbs, and his sons his songs numbered a thousand and five. Not his sons, but his songs. His songs numbered a thousand and five. Uh, maybe they numbered a thousand five. Maybe. But in verse thirty-three, he described plant life from the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of walls. He also taught about animals and birds, reptiles and fish, men of all nations came to listen to Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. See what's going on. Solomon asks for wisdom to know how to lead his people, the country of Israel. And God gives him that and then some. He gives him the ability, the wisdom to lead his people well. And just goes to show that God can do far more than all we ask for or imagine is that he gave him the, the ability to lead the people well, but he gave him more. Is that God gave Solomon understanding of stuff like botany and biology and zoology and music and parenting and leadership. And, and see, God didn't just give wisdom for his own country, but queens and kings from other nations would come all the way to where Solomon was just to hear Solomon speak about certain issues. And much of this is recorded in the book of Proverbs. Now, unfortunately, for those of you who know Solomon's story, though no king of Israel ever got to off to a better start than Solomon, no king of Israel ever finished worse than Solomon too. And that's because Solomon, as he got older, started to abandon the very wisdom that he'd been teaching everybody. Solomon, he got entangled, embroiled in all sorts of different relationships that led him away from the wisdom that God gave him in the first place. And so as a result, because he abandoned that wisdom, Solomon would end up this very depressed, disillusioned man at the end of his life. And see, you can almost kind of cut into two halves, the first part of Solomon's reign and the second part of Solomon's reign. And it all, be, it all stopped going well when he abandoned the wisdom that God had given to him. And the lesson there for us is this, God can give you wisdom, but it's up to you and me to decide what to do with that wisdom. It's because that's where the difference will be. 
See, what you do with the wisdom God gives you is what will make the practical difference in your life. Now, in fact, you know, in the middle of your Bibles, you're gonna find this, is that when you go to the middle of your Bible, you're gonna find that there are three books that many scholars believe are attributed to Solomon. There's, there's Song of Songs, there's Proverbs, and there's Ecclesiastes. All of them, like many scholars think, are Solomon's work. And, and they actually reflect three different stages in Solomon's life. They say is that Song of Songs is, you know, is Solomon on his wedding night on his honeymoon. And so this is him, a young king who's marrying his bride-to-be, and he's all excited, he's all in love, and he's singing you know, all these like romantic songs. That's the song of songs. And then in the book of Proverbs, it's all about teaching his sons right and wrong. You know, teaching his children, you know, this is right, this is wrong. And then finally in Ecclesiastes, he's an older man now, and he's talking about everything is meaningless. Everything is vain. And there's even a joke that some people say is that, you know, it just goes to show that that's the three stages of a man's life sometimes. You know, when a man is young, he just talks all about love, you know? And then when he gets a little older, he's so sure about what's right and wrong. Finally, when he gets old enough, he's like, oh, everything is meaningless. Everything is vain. I wonder what stage I'm in right now. But here's the thing is that you don't have to be in that stage, by the way. That's just a joke. But the thing is this, Proverbs is Solomon in his prime. This is Solomon at his best. The best wisdom he ever gave, you find in the book of Proverbs. And so so the Proverbs is actually a collection of Solomon's greatest hits, but it's not just Solomon's greatest hits. Because you're gonna find this, is that Proverbs doesn't just contain Solomon's best wisdom, but there's actually seven, approximately seven big sections in the book of Proverbs, which are partially attributed to other people. A guy called Lemuel, who's a king. Another guy called Agur. And in fact, Hezekiah, whom we studied in our previous series, Waiting for Sunrise, Book of Isaiah, Hezekiah, he had a bunch of staff who collected Proverbs, a lot of them from Solomon. And all of these are put together in this one book called the Book of Proverbs. And even though they're coming from different backgrounds, different times, even different cultures, all of these sections in the Book of Proverbs have the same purpose. And that purpose is described in verse two and on and onward. Let's look at verse two. It says, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair. Would you underline the word wisdom right now? Wisdom. Everyone say wisdom. See, you ought to understand this. The purpose of Proverbs is not just for readers to simply become very book smart or you know, very knowledgeable for academic purposes, give you a lot of Bible knowledge. That's not the purpose of Proverbs. The focus of Proverbs is totally practical. It's about acquiring a disciplined and prudent life. It's about doing what is right and just and fair. And see, what does that teach us about wisdom? Let me tell you what wisdom is. For those who are wondering, what, we keep talking about wisdom. What is wisdom? Let me give you my definition for wisdom and you can write it down if you find it helpful. Wisdom is the God-given ability to make good decisions and exercise sound judgment in real life situations. That's what wisdom is. And that when you exercise wisdom, wisdom has the practical effect of bringing benefit to yourself, help to others, and glory to God. See, that's what wisdom is. It's real life stuff. Wisdom is not just being book smart. It's real life stuff where you make good decisions in real time, in real life situations. You actually have sound judgment. Bruce Waltke, who's one of the biggest scholars in the book of Proverbs, uh, he, he, he calls wisdom the skill to navigate the maze of life. He writes it this way. He says, in Proverbs, wisdom mainly denotes the skill to navigate through the maze of life, 
so that one conducts one's life to the greatest benefit of oneself and the community. Through wisdom, one is able to read circumstances and interpret situations so as to act correctly, speak properly, and respond appropriately to each situation so that beneficial consequences ensue to self and community. What is he saying? Basically what I just said. Right? Wisdom is practical. It's about making good decisions, having sound judgment. You know, the, the Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary talks about it this way, that wisdom is the art of learning how to succeed in life. Chuck Swindoll, one of the great preachers of our past century, he calls wisdom the God-given ability to see life with rare objectivity and to handle life with rare stability. How many of us could use more wisdom? I certainly can. I believe you can as well. You know, you and I, in fact, can probably think of people in our lives that we know, and we don't say this out loud, but, you know, we think of maybe people who are very bright in a particular field. You know, they know all these facts about sports, or they know all these facts about history, or they, they might be really good at board games, or really good at video games, or, or they're really, you know, expert in one particular field of their study, or their work, or their hobbies. But when it comes to real-life decision-making, when it comes to managing relationships, when it comes to dealing with conflict, when it comes to using their words and communicating, when it comes to stewarding what God has given to them, sometimes it seems like they don't have a clue. Do you know anyone like that? Are you like that sometimes? See, here's the thing. Being bright and being wise are not the same thing. Being bright or book smart, that's proved by your transcript or your IQ test. But wisdom is different. Jesus says, wisdom is proved by all her actions. In other words, wisdom isn't shown necessarily through a transcript or an IQ test. Wisdom is shown through a life well lived. It's through healthy relationships that it shows. It shows through good decision making. It shows through knowing what to say, when to say it, and how to say it. That's wisdom. Wisdom is avoiding traps that can kill our reputation. Wisdom is you know, not getting into the stuff, the traps that other people might fall into. Wisdom is partnering with the right people. That's what wisdom is. It's real life. It's real time. It's practical. And it's ideally great if you can be both book smart and wise, if you can be you know, bright and wise, but if you had to choose between the two, you want to choose to be wise. Amen? And see, that's the goal of the book of Proverbs. It's to impart wisdom, practical wisdom to those who study. Look at verse four with me. What does it say, verse four? Forgiving prudence to the simple, underline that, and then knowledge and discretion to the young, Okay, can you underline that too? And then verse five says, let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get God. And see, what does that say? It's saying this, is that the book of Proverbs is both for the young and the old, for the simple and the wise. See, it's the idea that no matter how far along the journey you get, no matter how old you are, you will never lose your need for wisdom. We will always have a need for wisdom. That's why the book of Proverbs is applicable and relevant and important for all of us. And as wisdom, you know, literature was back then, ancient wisdom literature, in much of the book of Proverbs, you're gonna find that Solomon is speaking from the perspective of a father teaching his son. It's a father to son communication. But you're gonna find when you read the book of Proverbs that the book of Proverbs is just as applicable, just as relevant to mothers and daughters, to singles as to the married, to the elderly as to teens. Look at verse six. It says, it says, for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. In fact, verse six actually gives us a clue into the content of this book we're going to be looking at together. Verse six says, for understanding proverbs. Let's stop right there. What's a proverb? 
Let's look at that right now. See, the most common tool that Solomon and other writers in the book of Proverbs use to teach wisdom is something called, not surprisingly, the proverb. That's why the book is called Book of Proverbs because there's so many of them. And, and what is a proverb? Proverb also known as a couplet, also known as a bicolon, but a proverb is basically two lines of verse that form a unit together. It's two lines that make a short, witty statement. And these two lines relate to one another in some way. For example, a, 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 a proverb might be something where the two lines are synonymous with one another. In, that, in other words, line B is another way to just say line A. For example, look at Proverbs 16, 18 with me. It says, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. See, that's line A, pride goes before destruction, Line B, a haughty spirit before a fall. They're basically saying the same thing. It is, it, is, it is emphasis through repetition. See, that's one way. Sometimes Proverbs are synonymous. Another one is that Proverbs can be what's called antithetical. In other words, the lines are opposite of one another. Line B is the opposite of line A. Look at the, ne- the next one here. This is Proverbs 13, three. It says, he who guards his lips guards his life but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. Notice that line A is the opposite of line B, but they're both true, right? And so this is an antithetical proverb, is that these are opposites of one another. Another one is where they are comparative, where Solomon compares line A with line B and asks us to consider which, how are they similar? Look at this one. For example, Proverbs 25, 19 says this, putting confidence in an unreliable person in times of trouble is like chewing with a broken tooth or walking on a lame foot. Have you ever had a lame foot before? Have you ever broken your foot before? I have. I've had a, I, I, I broke a bone in my foot uh, a few years ago and then it was painful. It was painful to walk. And, and, and you know, Solomon, he's comparing putting confidence in an unreliable person in times of trouble to that pain in your foot when you can't really walk. It's, like, it's, it's almost like you want to rely on it, but you can't. You want to rely on it, but it's no good. It's almost like you're better off without it because relying on it just causes you more pain. If you believe that, say amen. See, that, that's a comparative proverb. Another way that a proverb can be comparative is it shows how line A is better than line B. For example, look at Proverbs 25, 24, and it says, it's better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. Very interesting. See, I, I can imagine how Solomon came up with that proverb. He, I, I can imagine he's a king of Israel. He's in this beautiful palace, but he can't enjoy the palace because his wife is constantly nagging at him, wah, 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 criticizing him, complaining to him. And so what does he do? He doesn't know what else to do. So he goes up to the attic of his palace. He locks the door, hoping to have just a little bit of peace. And there in his attic all alone, he writes, it's better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. And I can imagine, you know, the, the, the wife finds him in the attic. He says, are you in the attic? Are you there? She barges through. She's like, rah, 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 rah. And, and so Solomon, he gets out of the house. He goes into the desert. And there he writes Proverbs 21, 19, which is, it's better to live alone in the desert than with a quarrelsome, complaining wife. See, I'm just guessing there. But what is that? That's a comparative proverb. Is that Solomon compares line A with line B and asks, which one is better? Now, finally, a proverb can also be what's called synthetic. What's a synthetic proverb? A synthetic proverb is line B completes line A. Line B either completes line A by showing the result 
of line A or give him the reason for line A. Look at Proverbs 16.3. Look at Ruth right now. It says, commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. See, the line A, that's the thing we're not to do. And then line B, this is what will happen if you do it. That's the result, all right? Next one is Proverbs 14, seven. It says, stay away from a foolish man for you will not find knowledge on his lips. What are we to do? Line A, what's the reason? Line B. See, that's what's going on with the book of Proverbs is that you have these two line units called a proverb, a couplet, a bicolon, which contains a nugget of truth that you need to chew on. In fact, speaking of chewing, I find this is that when I think, whenever I think about the book of Proverbs, lately I, th- I think a lot about fortune cookies. I got a fortune cookie right here. A big thank you to our team for making it happen for me. Is that, uh, do you guys like fortune cookies? Do you guys enjoy I actually kind of like fortune cookies. Believe it or not, fortune cookies did not come from China. They didn't come from Taiwan. They didn't come, they actually came from Japan and America. Do you know that? Uh, more in the history of fortune cookies another day. But see, the fact is that when I think of Proverbs, I think about fortune cookies because like a fortune cookie, Proverbs contain a short, interesting message. And like a fortune cookie, in a proverb, what you have is you have two pieces that are connected together in some way. And what you need to do, you need to break it open in order to find what the message is inside. And so what's the message here? Let me see. It says, uh, a personal relationship will become more fulfilling. Very interesting. Not very helpful, but that's, that's the fortune cookie. That's why we want to read Proverbs and not rely so much on fortune cookies. So, so there you go, is, is, that, is that the book of Proverbs is like a fortune cookie. It's also like a fortune cookie in this way, is that like a fortune cookie, Proverbs takes time to digest. Amen is that you can't rush through and speed eat Proverbs. You need to read it slowly. You need to take your time. You need to think on it. That's what the proverb is. But see, the Proverbs is not the only literary form that we find in the book of Proverbs. There are other methods of communicating wisdom in Proverbs. So look at verse six with me again. What does it say? Verse six, it says, for understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. See, could you underline parables? and underline the sayings and riddles of the wise. What are parables? Parables are short stories. They're like word pictures that have a point to them. Jesus was famous for teaching with parables. Another one is sayings and riddles of the wise. Who are the wise? Well, I'll tell you this this way, is that when he's talking about the wise, Solomon is not just referring to himself anymore. He's talking about, you know, there are a lot of other wise people out there. I've collected their sayings from different nations, from different cultures. I've collected them and I put them in this book called the book of Proverbs. And so that's why you're going to find that when you read some Proverbs or some wisdom literature from Mesopotamia, from Egypt, you actually find that some of the Proverbs sound quite similar to one another. It's because Solomon actually borrowed some stuff from Egypt. He borrowed some stuff from Mesopotamia and he started to kind of filter through it. And you might be like, well, Jay, I don't get it. We're, we're, We're reading the Bible. We call God's word the Bible, but then you're saying that Solomon, he took, you know, riddles and proverbs and parables from other, you know, other cultures or nations where they didn't worship God, but they worshiped other gods. And we're saying that that's the word of God. Keep this in mind. Keep this in mind. The first thing you keep in mind is the idea of common grace. It's the idea that God gives grace to all people, all nations. And they, and, and, you know, for example, the clothes on your back, the breath in your lungs, air to breathe, a conscience so you can know right and wrong. God gives that to everybody. 
And, you know, there's a difference between common grace, which is the general grace that God gives everybody, and the saving grace by which through Jesus Christ, we know him and by him, our sins are forgiven. There's a difference between those two, but God gives common grace across the nations. And, and see, here's the thing, is that a lot of these different proverbs and sayings that Solomon brought together and put in the book of Proverbs, they came from other nations, and they are different forms of common grace, common wisdom that God gives to people. Amen. Another thing is this, is that Solomon, he takes ideas and sayings from other nations, but he cuts out any hint of their pagan theology. So you don't ever hear anything about their gods or anything like that. It's nothing like that anymore. Instead, he used them for a different purpose. He takes their ideas, their sayings, and he shifts their purpose toward the purposes of worshiping the Lord. It's, it's kind of like what I do with you guys sometimes is that I'll take things from pop culture, like a Justin Bieber song or a song by the Chili's or, you know, I'll take Star Wars or a movie like The Godfather. And these are, you know, pieces of art that were produced probably by people who weren't worshiping Jesus necessarily when they were doing that art, but we take it and we shift it to, to communicate something different, which is God's love for you and how you, know, how you can know Jesus better through use of that illustration. And see, Solomon's doing something similar in the book of Proverbs. And that finally leads us to verse seven. Look at verse seven with me. What does it say? It says, read it with me. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. See, the whole book of Proverbs can be summed up by this one verse. And in fact, possibly this one phrase, the fear of the Lord. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In other words, saying that if you want to be wise, it all begins with the fear of the Lord. Now, what is the fear of the Lord? We're going to get to that in just a minute. But see, it's saying that the foundation of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. It's like a building. It's kind of, and, and unfortunately we've heard these awful, you know, you know, the pieces of news, for example, from Miami, about, you know, buildings collapsing all of a sudden. Some people think it has something to do with the foundation, that the foundation was broken. And as a result, it collapsed and just, and we're, you know, that our hearts go out to people who are going through some really crazy stuff right now and we're praying for them. But the, the, the thing is this, is that, is that it's almost like wisdom is a building that's built on a foundation. And if you want real wisdom that's going to benefit you for life and for eternity, the wisdom you need needs to be built on something called the fear of the Lord. And that's why over and over the book of Proverbs emphasizes the fear of the Lord. Look at Proverbs 9, 10. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Look at Proverbs 14, 26, 27. Read it with me. It says, those who fear the Lord have a secure fortress and for their children, it will be a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. Look at Proverbs 15, 33. It says, the fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom and humility comes before honor. Finally, Proverbs 31, 30, it says, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. See, it's talking about the fear of the Lord. In fact, other parts of the Bible emphasize it over and over again. You know, for example, Psalm 111, verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. Job 28, 28, he said, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. To shun evil is understanding. We went through the book of Isaiah. Are you guys tired of Isaiah yet? I'm not. Isaiah 33, verse six says, he will be the sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure, i.e. 
wisdom, knowledge, salvation. And finally, if you're wondering, oh, the fear of the Lord is probably just an Old Testament thing, right? No, it's actually the New Testament as well. Acts 9.31. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. See, the foundation of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Now, if the whole foundation of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, if the fear of the Lord is a secure fortress, a refuge for those who trust in it, if the fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom, if the fear of the Lord helps us avoid evil, if the fear of the Lord leads us to life and contentment, if the fear of the Lord brings wealth and honor and life, then what exactly is the fear of the Lord? We're gonna end with that today. What does it mean to live in the fear of the Lord? See, Let me put it to you this way. Living in the fear of the Lord does not mean being afraid of God. It doesn't mean you're gonna run and hide from God because you're so freaked out by his presence. That's not what it means to live in the fear of the Lord. See, just like I as a dad, I would never want my sons to be afraid of me such that they don't wanna get close to me. They they wanna run away from me. They're like, ah, daddy's home, ah! I gotta get out of here, mommy, mommy, daddy's here, ah! I don't want that to happen. I don't want them to be afraid of me that way. I want them to respect me, but I don't want them to be afraid of me that way. Similarly, God does not want you to be afraid of him such that you run away from him and you want to hide from him. You want nothing to do with him. That's not the fear of the Lord. So what is the fear of the Lord? Let me end today by telling you two aspects, two keys to the fear of the Lord. Will you write this down? Since the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, let's learn what the fear of the Lord is. Number one, the fear of the Lord is recognizing that God sees even when others don't see. The fear of the Lord is recognizing that God sees even when others don't see. Would you turn to your name and say, God sees? God sees. See, if you go on later today after our church service and you check out Proverbs 1 verses 8 to 19, I highly encourage you to do so. When you read Proverbs 1, verses 8 to 19, the big message that's going to come to you on that one is that nothing is hidden from God's sight. Even when others don't see, God sees. And you know, that works in two ways. There's like two sides of a coin on that one. On one hand, when I'm tempted to do evil and I think no one sees, God sees. God sees. You know, for, for example, I think every day, and you might be this way too. Every day in my email, on my phone, I'll get these spam calls. They're kind of like these, these, these trick calls that are meant to dupe people who are you know, vulnerable. And, and it's one of those things where you know, a lot of people make a lot of money from these scams. And some, some of you may go, I'm so tired of getting these robot calls. Block, 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 block. And like, someone do something. You know what? God sees it because nothing is hidden from his sight. God will one day hold people to account that day. And, and in a similar way, is when, when I'm, when I'm you know, tempted to do something wrong, when I'm tempted to engage in evil, do something that I shouldn't be doing, it's not like, oh, no one else sees, God sees. Even in the dark, God sees. Even when I'm on my own, God sees. And so fear of the Lord is about recognizing that even when no one else sees, God sees. And so I'm going to live my life in the fear of God, wanting to honor him with my life. Amen. That's the fear of the Lord. That's one side of it. But there's another side to it, which is that when not only is it when I'm tempted, does he see, the fact is when I'm in pain and I think no one else sees, God sees. When I'm in pain, when I am stressed, when I am worried, when I am hurt, God sees, even when we think no one else sees. You know, one of the most beautiful stories we'll find in the book of Genesis, Genesis 13, Genesis 21, is about a woman called Hagar. And she's effectively a single mom. 
and she has this baby son of hers called Ishmael. And she is all alone in this desert because she's been kicked out of the house where she once lived. And she's taking care of her baby son and she's only got so much water left. And so she finally goes to the point where she's out of water and she doesn't know what to do anymore. She's at the end of her rope and she's like, what am I gonna do? I can't watch him die. And so what Hagar does, he takes baby Ishmael, puts baby Ishmael under a bush. And then the Bible says that she went a stone's throw away from the baby because she's like, I can't bear to see him die. I can't bear to see it. She was in so much pain at that time. And, you know, God in that moment speaks to her and says, don't give up. I will make Ishmael a great nation. And he leads her to a well of water. And see, Hagar would find hope when she met God and she would call God by a name. That name is, you're the God who sees me. You see me. And see, you might feel like right now you're in the middle of a desert and you're running short on resources and you don't know what to do and you're kind of wanting to give up. Can I tell you this? God sees you. He sees you. He's not distant. He's not absent. He's not blind. He sees you. He sees everything you go through. He sees every tear you shed. He sees every hurt in your heart. He sees every injustice. He sees it all. He sees it all. And just like he did for baby Ishmael, not only does God see you, but he does something to meet your need too. Is that when we, our biggest need was to be forgiven by God. When our biggest need was to have a relationship with God again. When our sins had separated us from God, such that no matter how hard we try, we could not be with God. We aren't perfect. God is perfect. Sin separates us that way, such that not now, not ever, we could ever have anything to do with God because God saw our need, because he loves us, because he sees us with eyes of compassion, because he doesn't want to be apart from us, but he wants to be with us, not just for now, but for eternity. God said, I'm going to send Jesus Christ, my son, to die so you don't have to die. I'm going to send Jesus Christ, my son, to die on the cross for your sins so that you would know there is a God who sees you. There's a God who loves you. And because of him, you could have hope for tomorrow. Oh, come on, give God a big hand, a big shout, and let's play together right now. Amen. So you turn to your neighbor and say, God sees you. He sees you. When you're in pain, you think no one else sees. He sees you. When you're at the end of your rope and you don't know what to do, God sees you. He loves you with an everlasting love. And see, that's what the fear of the Lord is. The fear of the Lord is recognizing that God sees even when others don't see. He sees you. The second aspect of the fear of the Lord that we'll cover today is the fear of the Lord is acting as if my life depends on hearing and responding to God's wisdom because it does, because it does. It's acting and living as if God's wisdom is what I need more than anything, because that's exactly the case. We need God's wisdom. Jesus says, man cannot live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know, later today, after you read Proverbs, you know, 1 verses 8 to 19, keep on going and read Proverbs 1 verses 20 to 33, because there's a message in there, which is that wisdom is always calling. Wisdom is always calling out. And the question is, will we answer wisdom's call? See, God is wanting to give us wisdom. The question is, do we want it? See, some people, they're, 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 they've got problems, but they don't really want a solution. They just want to complain about their problem. You know, they just want to throw a pity party for themselves. They're not really interested in having a solution. They just almost find a comfort zone in just complaining. 
Some people are like that. Some people, they're so set on their ways or following their feelings, they're not interested in hearing what God has to say about their issue. So, some people, they, they, they only want to consider human solutions. So don't bring God into it. Don't bring prayer into this. Don't bring the Bible into this. I'm not, I'm not going to have any of that. But you want to know this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the fear of the Lord is about listening for and responding to the wisdom that God has for you, knowing that our lives depend on that wisdom. So my hope is that over this next summer, as we look at the book of Proverbs, as we're going to unpack what the book of Proverbs is about, that you're going to find hope and wisdom to benefit your life, to help the people around you and give glory to God. And with all that in mind, I want to encourage you to join us next week as we continue our series. But before we do that, I want to lead you in a prayer because we believe that here at Thrive, we're not just here to give you information. We want to lead you to Jesus, knowing that with Jesus, there's transformation. And so with you and me here right now, let's make the most of this moment with every head bowed and every eye closed. I, I just want to ask this question today, today is see, the, 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 to, the topic today is the fear of the Lord, how the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and how, you know, the fear of the Lord is, is acting as if my life depends on hearing and responding to God's wisdom because it does. And I'm here to tell you today, as our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, that the most important wisdom that God wants us to respond to is the revelation that all of us are sinners who need a savior. And that savior is Jesus Christ. That when we were separated from God because of our sin, God sent Jesus Christ to die for us. And if you wanna respond to God's wisdom today, it happens in the form of responding to Jesus and saying to Jesus, God, Jesus, I receive you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose again. I wanna ask you into my life. And, and with him, when you ask him into your life, with that comes God's forgiveness. With that comes God's peace. With that comes the security of knowing where you're gonna be after you die, that you're gonna be a child of God. You're, you're gonna be a citizen of heaven. And if that's you and you wanna receive Jesus today, it's as simple as praying a prayer. I encourage you right now, you can open your eyes for just a second. Won't you, we'll just click that link in your chat room. When you touch or scan the, the QR code on your screen, it's gonna take you to a prayer page. And we're gonna pray this prayer together. Those of you who want to receive Jesus into your life today, this is your moment. I want to encourage you to, to just you know, click that link, scan that code. It's going to take you to a prayer. And I'm going to pray this prayer with you, knowing that it's from your heart. If it's from your heart, it matters to God. And so I'm going to encourage you to pray this with me. Are you ready? Let's pray this prayer. Let's respond to the wisdom that God has for us today. Why don't you pray this with me? You say, dear Jesus, thank you that because you love me, you died on the cross to pay for my sins you rose again to give me life. Today, I open up my heart. I ask you, please forgive me of all my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I place my trust not in what I do, but in what you've done for me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, by the way, if you prayed that prayer and you meant that from your heart, according to the Bible, you are forgiven of your sins. Jesus now lives in your heart. You are a child of God. You're a citizen of heaven. You have a new relationship with God that nothing and no one could ever take from you. And so big congratulations to all of you who prayed that prayer just now. Can we give all of our friends who prayed that prayer a big hand, a big shout that we got 
some gifts we want to give you to congratulate you on this very important prayer that you prayed. Uh, if you click the link that's underneath the prayer that you prayed, it'll take you to another page where it'll connect you with some gifts we want to give to you, some resources to help you to make the most out of this decision you made to receive Jesus into your life. A huge congratulations to you. And we want to encourage those who made that decision today. Since every baby needs a family to grow up in, we would love to be your spiritual family. And we encourage you to keep on coming back to church uh, next week. And we'd love to see you again. Also, we encourage you to get baptized. Baptism is not a graduation. It is a beginning. It's simply saying, I know I'm a sinner who needs a savior. And I thank Jesus for being my savior. That's what it's all about. And if you want to find more information for baptism and want to get baptized or interested, curious about it, go to mythrob.info, touch the baptism button. We'd love to get you into uh, the mix as to what baptism is all about. We'd love to baptize you as well. Finally, we want to just give an opportunity to those of you today who need wisdom. Maybe you're needing to make a big decision. Maybe you're starting a new season. Maybe you're wondering about your direction. Maybe you're dealing with a big challenge and you realize today that you need wisdom, maybe more than anybody else. If that's you, I encourage you right now to respond to God. Would you lift your hand to God right now if that's you? Just in your heart, in your own way, would you start talking to God and just say, God, thank you that you give wisdom, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Would you, it's just in your own words, to start responding to God and just pray to God right now. And after that, I'm gonna lead you in prayer. Don't just ask for wisdom today, but I encourage you to make today the first day when you're gonna study the book of Proverbs, but just start, start talking to God right now. Start talking to God right now from your heart. Give him that burden. Give him that issue. Give him that uncertainty. Give him that problem. Give him that thing that you don't have an answer for. Give him that, that, that scenario, that context where you need more of God's wisdom in your life. We just start talking to God today. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you so much, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Praise your name. Praise you, Jesus. Father, we want to thank you so much that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That it doesn't begin with how great we are. It begins with us recognizing how great you are. How much greater you are than any issue that we face how much greater you are than our own insecurities, how much greater you are than our biggest weaknesses, how much greater you are than the biggest challenges we face today. Thank you so much for this moment when we can see through your word just how important wisdom is. We ask for it for every single person who wants wisdom today. We ask God for that today. We ask together that you would make us a wiser people, make us wiser followers of Jesus, wiser lovers of our families, wiser lovers of people in this world. We pray, Lord Jesus, for wisdom as we go into a new season together as a church, as we get ready to start online services and on-site services at the same time, we pray for wisdom. God, as we transition into, you know, hopefully it's, it's, a, it's a post-COVID season, we pray for wisdom for us, for our government, for, for everybody, our neighbors. We pray, God, for wisdom. We pray for wisdom to know how to see you, wisdom to know how to see ourselves, how to see our situation, how to see our future how to see the things that you've placed in our lives. We pray for wisdom because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We stand before you today and say, thank you, God, that we have you. Thank you so much for your amazing love. We give you praise. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Can we give God a big hand, a big shout in this place right now? Amen. You guys are an amazing church. And we look forward to this series upcoming. 
called Rise Up and Wise Up. Right now, what we're going to do is we're going to do a couple things. Is We're going to sing a song to God as a response to Him. Let's make this uh, the continuation of our worship. At the same time, uh, we're going to do something called communion right after the song. And so if you haven't gotten ready for communion yet and you want to do communion with us, it's a chance for us to remember what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us, how He died on the cross for our sins. Go grab a piece of bread from the fridge right now. Go grab you know some juice or some water, something that can represent the blood of Jesus. And at the end of the song, we're going to do communion together. And I'm going to pray one last prayer over you that you don't want to miss. We'll see you guys soon. Let's give our very best to God right now. Praise God. Thank you. 
church, let's just continue to sing to him. Let's give him all of our worship and sing out our praises from our hearts. Let's sing out our anthem to him today because he is worthy of it all. We thank you, Jesus. a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now. I don't know if you heard me. I said, you've got a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now. Amen. Well, this is the moment when we're going to take communion together. And this is an opportunity for us to remember what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. And so I want to encourage you right now to grab that piece of bread and take that cup. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to say this right now, that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took a cup. He said, this cup represents my blood, which is poured out for the forgiveness of many people's sins. Drink this in remembrance of me. And so with that in mind, let's take this bread, let's take this cup in thankful remembrance of what Jesus Christ has done. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we wanna thank you so much for this amazing Sunday that we're gonna be together. Thank you, God, for new seasons that you usher into our lives. Thank you, God, that your mercies are new every morning. Thank you, God, that for as much as we need, there's wisdom that you can give us when we would be open to asking for it. So we seek you out today, and we pray that starting today, it will be a new beginning for many people, a new beginning in our search for wisdom from you to live lives as wise as we can for your glory. And so we thank you today, and we pray all of your blessing, your peace, your presence, your promise, your protection, your hope, your healing, your comfort, your joy, your wisdom, and your Holy Spirit to fill every single person here until we next meet again. We thank you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now?
If you call Thrive Church your home church, you just believe in the work that God is doing here, let's give our faithful tithes, our generous offerings. Know that when we seek God's kingdom first, he adds what? He adds everything we need. Not only does he add everything we need, but he also builds his church through us. And so go to mythrive.info to give. Let's give our very best to God because he gave his very best to us. We are just very, very short while away before we start on-site services here at Thrive Center, July 18. Mark down your calendars. We'll see you guys next week for Thrive Church Online for the continuation of Rise Up and Wise Up. You don't want to miss it. We'll see you guys soon. Love you guys. Praise God. The best is yet to come. Take care, everybody. Thank you, Pastor JB. Before I let you guys go, I have a few announcements. If it's the first time here, you're a VIP and we would love to get to know you better. So please text new at 604-285-5770 and we'll mail you your very own Thrice-Sanson water bottle. If you pray the prayer to receive Jesus Christ into life today, congratulations, we have a gift package sent to you as well as a series of videos that might answer the questions that I have with Jesus. Text BELIEVE at 604-285-5770 and if you'd like to get baptized, visit baptism for more information. Thrive Disciple School Level 3 is a brand new TDS course to help you embrace and discover your God-given shape. This means that you can learn more about why God made you the way that you are. This is a fully online course with lots of hands-on activities so you can learn more about yourself and how to serve God better. This starts on July the 14th and for sign up and more information, visit MyThriveInfo. Because we just finished the Waiting for Sunrise message series, we would love to know how God used this message series to impact your life. So please fill out the feedback form on MyThriveInfo. Last but not least, as Pastor JB said, Thrive Church is reopening their doors on July the 18th. We can't wait to see you all here in person. Even though the restrictions on religious gatherings have lifted, we would love to still make this as safe as possible for everyone that comes. So we still have some safety protocols in place and pre-registration is required. So for more information, visit MyThriveInfo. That's it for this week. I hope you all have a great day. Don't forget to come back next week for episode two of our Rise Up and Wise Up message series. Don't forget to give your tithes and offerings and I'll see you all here next week at Thrive Church Online. Bye!